Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the video store. This is Late Fees, a podcast where we run your favorite filmmakers and films through the gauntlet to determine whether it still checks out or whether it's time to put it back on the shelf. Mm. I am your host, Justin Davis, along with my co-hosts, Wes, Eric, and Pat. What's going on, everybody? Brett Kavanaugh is a sex pest. (laughs) Cancel Kavanaugh. Fuck him. Burn in hell. (laughs) I actually don't know who that is. What? Should I know? He's the Supreme Court the man nominee. Who could very well. Oh, okay. Wes who, is so deeply buried in work. How could you expect him to know that? Because this man could deeply reshape the fabric of this country and our future for our kids Listen, and our kids. That's, I just wanted to say sex pest. Uh, so that's all. I should have gone with somebody more. We're fun. off to a rough start. I'm a little distracted because in like two weeks we get to see David Gordon Green's Halloween early. Yeah, so. yeah it, we have a 17-hour outing <laughs> planned for the day. Oh, God. And Wes's whole life has been leading toward this experience. That's not hyperbole. Uh, he's lost sleep. Uh, he's worried. You should have seen me at work when we got the tickets. It was it was really bad. I mean, I was oh, cool Jesus. as a cuke. I knew <laughs> it was going to be fine. I was out there buying extra tickets because I could. I just want to let the record show that, like, this is these kind of nerds that I'm doing this podcast with. You <laughs> use words like canon when talking about Halloween. I can't relate. Uh, I just want to go back to say, speaking of sex pests, <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone will probably be looking at this episode and they probably heard our last episode on The Predator and wonder, hey, why in the hell are we doing Jim Carrey uh, this week? Uh, we have decided to indefinitely push back the Shane Black episode. Um, we just felt as though here at Late Fees in the video store that uh, there were some things that came out a couple weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, um, with Shane Black and the production of The Predator that we just felt as though it would, it would have kind of put a blemish on the celebration of his films at this time. And so we're going to give it a couple weeks. We're going to see how it pans out. Um, and we're going to actually, you know, maybe come back to it. Is that cool? Perhaps. Yeah, the, yeah. the Christmas yeah. episode is called Away in a Changer. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm pushing for this starting now. Uh, I've got a couple months to make it happen. So, uh, and solidarity with Olivia Munn. That's yeah, what I shout out to Olivia Munn. Yeah, I, man, I love G4. But anyway, as as we're saying, uh, we, we had to we had to restructure things, and we just came up with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey wasn't even planned. Uh, in in our actually, there, did we push him? No, we pushed Jim Carrey. Yeah, push so Jim we're gonna Carrey have to up. replace yeah. that. But we do have a a tentative run of show for the next two months. On low three months actually on late yeah. fees. I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of give you guys. Let me let me bring up my laptop really really quickly here. So 21st, this, this is when this episode will come out. That will be the Jim Carrey episode in October. We have such a stacked October. Obviously, we are hyped about October. We are so hyped about October. We've already told you guys we're gonna be seeing Halloween in just a couple of weeks. Uh, but on the 5th of October, you can expect the Wes Craven episode of Late Fees. 
I'm really excited about that one. I can't wait to, you know, figure out what movies we're going to watch for that. On October 19th, we have the Halloween series with the fresh in our minds uh, vision of Halloween uh, 2018 in our in our heads. And we're going to be watching. We've got lucky with the timing on that. Yeah, yeah, that's very lucky. Well, we'll be able to have seen it twice, too. So we'll we'll be able to have seen it earlier than see it on, on opening day. So October 19th, market calendars, the Halloween episode will be that day. October 31st, it will be our Halloween episode. So we're actually doing an extra episode uh, this month or in October just to cover the Halloween the whole spectrum of Halloween we're going to be talking about each other's favorite horror movies so like we'll pick a name out of a hat and I might watch Wes's and, I, and Pat might watch uh, Eric's or you know what what if we did what if we did requests that's what I was saying we should have some uh, some listener participation we should, we should get, we're going to get requests so at the top of October we're going to put a poll out or we're not even a poll. We're going to put a tweet out or we're going to put some type of messaging out. We're going to ask you guys what you think we should watch. We'll put all the names in somewhere and we'll all randomly pick a movie and we'll all talk about it. And if the one we randomly pick is bad, we'll pick a different one. But we won't tell you that we did that. <laughs> so we're going into November. November 16th would have been the Jim Carrey episode. We are now currently restructuring that right now because of the change to the Shane Black episode. So stay tuned for that. I will probably have an update next episode. Uh, November 30th, Kevin Smith. Ooh. We're doing Kevin Smith on November 30th. Market calendars for that. And then in December, we also have another three-episode block. On the 14th of December, this is certainly going to be probably one of our most popular episodes. We are doing Christopher Nolan. So, yeah, mark your calendars for that as well. In the last two episodes in December, they're under wraps right now. We have a bonus episode, of course, but they're under wraps. We're going we're gonna to just kind of... Ride you guys out there. So just stay tuned for October. It's going to be super huge. Stay organized. We, we care about y'all so much that we plan ahead for your listening experience. And we're letting y'all know like what's, what's coming up. So definitely get your, your Netflix and your uh, iTunes rental or your physical rental even in order to watch all these amazing directors and series because we're definitely going to be talking about them on Late Fees. Yeah. Um, before we move on to Jim Carrey, I know we, we talked about The Predator a little bit. We talked about The Predator last episode. Did anybody see the new movie? I think just you. Just me? I'm the only one who saw it? I didn't see it. Oh, wow. I saw saw the two and a half. It's fucking terrible, okay? Two and a half is bad. To me, it's not terrible. I I think I was giving it... I know. I saw Justin's review on Letterboxd. Check out my Letterboxd. (laughs) 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 I watch... Letterboxd makes me watch movies again. Yeah. I'll say this, though. Uh, I I have not seen the final cut of the film, but I have... I was able to see a test screening of a very early cut. Uh, I mean, I'm curious to see what the changes are. I, I, guess, I guess I can say that. I there guess are... I can say that now that it's out. I don't know. Of course but you can. I'll check. Yeah. But uh, the, the cut I saw had potential, uh, and a lot of it was funny, but the, the third act was not done in the cut I saw. So I don't know. No, I, heard, the, I heard the third act's bad. Let me tell you, the third act still isn't done <laughs> in the final movie yeah. because that shit is terrible. Um, I guess we'll have to talk about it independently whenever you guys watch it, but it's definitely not something that I would I'm in no rush in. to see it. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'll, I'll VOD it. Yeah, definitely VOD it. Don't catch it on matinee. Do something. I didn't think it was the, the best episode or not the best episode, the best version of the movie or the best uh Iteration of the franchise, I still think that the first one is it will go down as the best Predator in the whole franchise. Mm. Honestly, yeah, they got a those yeah. big shoes to fill. But if you saw the Predator, let us know how you felt about it. Uh, just let us know on Instagram, Late Fees of Podcast, or let us know on Twitter uh, by hitting either any of us up or hitting us up on uh, at RNC Radio Live. But 
let's get into today's episode, which is Jim Carrey, an episode that we kind of we kind of pushed up a little bit. We yeah. weren't really expecting it, but we, we kind of came through with it. Uh, and Jim Carrey's had an interesting trajectory and an interesting career from the 90s all the way up to now. Uh, Pat, do you want to speak a little bit to that? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess just briefly, uh, great. I mean, his the reason he's famous now is because of his run in the 90s. He had the Ace Ventura... I mean, I guess franchise. It's only two movies, but it feels like a franchise. It had a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, it did. It have, had a cartoon. And the cartoon was, like, pretty popular yeah. for, like, cartoons of movies like that, which there were actually a lot of. The Mask had one as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think that one was his. It, didn't li- it, it was very short-lived. But he had, I mean, he had... Uh, his 1994 was amazing. Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, Ace Ventura. Yeah, uh, the, in and then he, he had a movie that was is or was considered good or great at the time uh every year until 2000 and then he kind of gets a little swervy uh he gets he got a lot of acclaim with truman show in the late 90s and then he gets some extreme acclaim deservedly so with eternal sunshine uh i believe in 04 Uh, but then it's kind of downhill after that he makes some choices that are either strange or uh, just downright bad. And mm-hmm. sometimes a healthy combination of the both. Yeah. Uh, and he is definitely a little bit uh, victim of something that has happened to a lot of people from the 90s, uh, comedians specifically. And even though he was pretty vastly different than a lot of those guys, uh, they just don't make movies like that anymore. Mm. And it's hard to write comedically for Jim Carrey he, now compared to then. One thing I've noticed in the movies that I've watched this week is like Jim always seems like he's in his own fucking like he's in a different movie than what they writ they like mm. wrote for him. Right. He just does his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and everyone. And and it speaks lar- to a larger pattern of just how poorly all comedy ages. We've watched a lot of our '90s superstars sort of fizzle out as like someone like Adam Sandler, who was once the most profitable and bankable comedic star, struggled to make comedies that connect while he found later acclaim, even though it was scattershot with more dramatic roles. Same with Ben Stiller. Like, I think his uh, oeuvre uh, has aged much better, but he has really pivoted hard into dramas. And um, um, like as we saw, like Zoolander, this seminal classic that he made in 2001, he put out a much-anticipated sequel in 2016, and it flopped. So it's like, you know, <laughs> Will Ferrell seems to be carrying the torch a little more with consistency than those guys. Um, you know, we'll see what happens to, like, you know, the Seth Rogans, and you see Jonah Hill all but abandoning comedy uh, <laughs> going for Oscar bait. So it's like we're, we're in the new generation of the Apatow Farm League where we're seeing them translate comedy. And their comedies always felt less... Um, like less broad than the Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler vehicles where they're making more like, um, like Hal Ashby movies now and shit. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, granted, you know, they just, Seth Rogen's still making like sausage party and, and this is the end, which is amazing. But, um, yeah, we'll see how long, uh, that, that, um, that pattern lasts. Yeah. It's just like, it's true. I mean, it's still true now about comedy, but it feels especially true about comedy. I mean, if, if, from the 80s and 90s and, and even the the, the the knots, the aughts, whatever. Uh, and it, it feels like less so each time. But because the comedy depends on being kind of broad and because it kind of leans on what at the time it thinks is being – it thinks of as subversion but just ends up 10 years later feeling like 
cheap, low hanging fruit. Yeah. Like even the good movies that we're going to have to talk that we that we're talking about have big parts of them that are just like unacceptable by yeah. today's standards. <laughs> like not yeah, totally. not even like. Oh, that's a product of the time. Like, yes, it is. But even then, and it now, was. <laughs> and now that's unacceptable. Yeah. Like, there are certain aspects of comedy where you can say that's a product of the time, but and it's okay. But we have to talk about how it's bad now. And then there are but things that are just shit, like some of the shit. Yeah. Some like, of the shit was bad then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that's like when I watch like Eddie Murphy's Raw, where it's like clearly we have to talk about how influential and how its DNA is in almost every stand-up after Raw and um, Delirious. But people say, like, his rampant homophobia and transphobia was just a product of the times. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the gay people then that were in the crowd really didn't appreciate it. So, like, yeah, we can contextualize it all we want, but the, that, that, the whole time thing uh, is still very uh, relative to who this audience is. Not that, like, I mean, the, the movies we're going to talk about with Jim Carrey ever reach that sort of ribald, um, almost antagonistic uh, brand of comedy that Eddie Murphy did, but some of the stuff in like the first movies we're going to talk about really are rough. Let, um, let's, let's hop right into it. But, it. but it passes PG-13 fair, which is really insane. But yeah, um, where do you guys want to start? Um, I let's think start nine, with the first one yeah. that came out in 94, and that was Ace Ventura, yeah. Pet Detective. Yeah. A movie that I know Wes saw a couple months ago. <laughs> I did. And it yeah. kind of spurned our conversation for a Jim Carrey, and it kind of started where started did you it see up. It? I just watched it on my own. Oh, like, yeah. just, just for fun. <laughs> before we decided to do it. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, amazing. no. I just like I think I saw it on Netflix, and I was like, oh, it's been a while. And then I watched the whole thing, and I was like, oh yeah, this is a pretty fucked up movie. But and, and fucked up it is. Uh, it, it came on ninety four. Starred Jim Carrey, of course, as uh, the titular character, Ace Ventura, pet detective. Um, who is looking for a missing dolphin from the Miami Dolphins? It's their mascot, uh, yeah. Snowflake. Yep. Yeah, and uh, which just let's take a step back. The, <laughs> the premise of that, like, not, like I wish it somebody, wouldn't fly. Yeah, like, I wish somebody would make a movie like that now, but they won't. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost too silly to justify to make now, but it's like almost pure. It, it, it remind. I think it worked then and still is endearing today because. It f- this was we got to remi- remember that this is Jim Carrey's first leading role at the peak of his in Living Color fame. Yeah, he had shown up in a few movies before, like Earth Girls Are Easy, but this was him in a leading vehicle as a leading man uh, next to Courtney Cox and Tone Loke. Crazy cast, by wow, the way. Yes. Tone um, Sean Dan Young, Mar- yeah, Sean Young, yeah. and Dan Marino, yeah, <laughs> a comedic a comedic turn also, by Dan Marino. Speaking of which, Dan Marino, second time being on the show. Bad, Bad Boys 2? Yeah. yeah, yeah yes. You know, Miami, Miami legend. Miami icon, yeah. yeah. Miami and, and, legend. And, and it feels like something like Keenan Ivory Waynes would have wrote with Jim Carrey like for a five-minute sketch. Like, all right, so a bunch of burglars uh, kidnap uh, the Miami <laughs> Dolphin dolphin. <laughs> and, uh, a caricature of a human played by Jim Carrey has to find it. Who, who Who's... Only character color is he's like extra horny, uh, and <laughs> too horny, too horny, like de- de- destructively horny, and uh, has a kinship with all animals, uh, and that's that's literally all crazy you know about him. combination of superpowers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, he like women love him. Like within the first oh, five minutes of this movie, he gets a he's getting a blowjob. He gets a blowjob, and it's immediately. And they show they they show seeing that as a kid. So I. Did everybody grow up watching this movie? I watched this movie. I didn't know okay. what the fuck was going on. I, saw, I, I, I was like, say, oh, she's... I did not grow up with uh, Ace Ventura. Like, I like, saw it or whatever. I saw, but, it, in, like, I saw it in theaters, and like, I did not know what was happening because yeah. 
the, the literally the cold open is him like finding a woman's pet. Like that's what he's that's what his uh, profession entails. Very like like naked gun era busty bugsum bugsum bugsumus is that the buxom. word? Buxom woman walks in. You know, looks like a pinup doll, and like she's like, "How can I ever repay you, Ace?" You see the woman drop down out of frame. You see the top of her head almost at the like the lower third. <laughs> you hear his pants unzip, and then he like grabs like the top of a door, and he's like, looks like a a, a, a fisherman trying to reel in a fish, but yeah. it's like hips are moving. Yeah, and he's getting blown off. <laughs> uh, it's wild, man. I, I straight up remember seeing that as a kid, and I was like, she's swinging him around. <laughs> I guess that's fun. Yeah. I guess I don't get, know. Watching this movie through like an innocent, naive eye is very funny looking back. Cause yeah, it, it, there's some some rough oh, adult. Not understand the ending as a child. Yeah. Oh no, no one did. When, when uh, I, I, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Ace is tracking tracking down the who could be um, you know the people who stole the dolphin. He's working with Courtney Cox, who is of course I, I believe she's like the press secretary or something like that of the Miami Dolphins. Um, and he's just for real. Like there are parts <laughs> of, of this working movie, with the press secretary. There are parts of this movie where things just like kind of happen, yeah. and they have no consequence to what happens next. Like the part where he goes into the rich man's house to look for the, Love and it. he finds out <laughs> it's it's a shark. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like not, that's not brought up again. You don't see the guy again. It's, it's Udo Kier. It, Udo Kier makes is it really? Yeah. I love yeah. Udo. It's Udo, Udo Kier. He. Great cast. He sneaks out into the shark tank, comes back in, and then he has like no. And this is like a classic scene because it's in the commercial. I mean, yeah. he, when he's like, "Do not go in there." Yeah. Woo! Like this whole <laughs> movie, the whole movie it's is one-liners. Like there's like the whole movie's it's nothing but one-liners. Like that's all yeah. the movie is. It's, it's great. It's though. like yeah, it's like a series of disconnected like vignettes where it's like he gets this. This clearly unsophisticated ruffian pet detective, like it's like a comedy of manners. Like, yeah, he shows up at this rich asshole's fancy dinner party, and he like sticks shrimp in his tea or asparagus <laughs> in his tea. Like, you know, just like offends the sophisticated folks in the room. But and don't then, forget the butt. Yeah, talks with his ass. Uh, but yeah, when he walks into, he, see, I didn't think like shit like that. Like, I never thought that was fucking oh, man, funny. My seven year old oh, me went nuts. It floored me yeah. back in the day. It fucking floored me. Uh, <laughs> no, Jim Carrey was a god. Do I, 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 I consider him a god. Yeah. I, I, Ace Ventura just didn't. But you know, it, it was an interesting choice for like a, a, you know, this was the film that launched his career, which, you know, How? made it. it made, that's 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 the mystery. Like that just shows you the fifteen million dollar budget, one hundred and seven million dollar gross. Yeah, which in ninety four, that's probably close to two hundred million dollars yeah. in 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 inflation um, in, inflation with tickets. You know, it's. It, I think about this all the time because I, I I have a near and dear place for Jim Carrey even after his um, his his rocky descent in the past decade, um, which like this guy shouldn't have worked. Like he's almost he's like, it was rare to see someone broader than Jerry Lewis or, or you know Jonathan Winter these 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 comics from the past that really influenced him. And him just, like, being so physical and so big and broad and, like, playing to, like, the back of the theater, you know. Um, yeah, it, it has all it the worked. comedy. It has yeah. all the comedy of the low IQ and and the high IQ at times. Yeah. And I feel like the high IQ might have checked out in the third act. But um, <laughs> I would say, actually... Yeah, super low brow Dumb, Dumb and Dumber is a smart movie. It is. Uh, yeah, it I, is. I, I would think, agree with that. I don't that. think Ace is. No, but, Ace is not smart. But Dumb and Dumber is actually... A secretly smart film. <laughs> I, I would I would agree with you. And um, ninety four, you know, Ace was just the tip of the iceberg for his like, 
you know, now iconic 94 alone run. Three rings, baby. Yeah, yeah so um, we got to point out also Ace's, uh, as far as like uh, John, uh, Jim Carrey's uh, character's uh, sartorial achievements go, yeah. the Hawaiian shirt with the and the pants and, the, and boots and, the, and his the hair. Yeah. The, he, Good set of hair on that Jim Carrey. Ace Ventura did have it uh, going on yeah. in some ways, but yeah, he. Should we talk about the the twist of the film? Yeah, we should. Yeah. Well, this because I mean, a lot of the movie is just him meandering around and saying one liners. Like nothing really matters, and it's wrapped up pretty quick. Like after yeah. he figures out the twist, the movie's yeah. over in yeah. fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, he meanders around. He solves a couple of like minor mysteries, which is like weird because he's so he is labeled as a pet detective, but he is better than the cops in the actual movie. Yeah, which yeah. is. Mind fucking blowing. Yeah. Um, so he finds out it. that the, the, <laughs> the potential, <laughs> the, the potential suspect or person who did this uh, is a guy named what's the guy's name? Finkel. Finkel. Ray Finkel, Ray Finkel. who is a fictional character because this is all based on the '84 Super Bowl where there was somebody who missed a field goal, and they actually don't use the real guy's name in the movie. They use a new a new guy named yeah. Ray Finkel. He's not real. Um, and they, but based on a real, based event. on a real yeah. event, which is I thought was pretty cool. Not a, not a lot of movies really do that, yeah. and kind of changing history like that. Um, so he finds out that, that he was checked into a mental institution. He checked out, but there was a woman who had died, like a reporter or somebody that had died. This same woman was inducted into the police force, and he eventually finds out that the man is now a woman. She is transsexual. And he, it just kind of goes into a comedy, uh, or it's supposed to be a comedy of like they play, they play the theme of the crying game, and he starts throwing up, burning his clothes, well, crying. He, he he hooked up with her. He didn't hook up with her. He made out. With he her. made out with her. Made out. He made out with her. Yeah. So I thought he did hook up with her, but when I found out, no, when I saw the kiss, I was like, okay, yeah. this is what it was. So the the big like supposed to be like uh, the big reveal of like for yucks is uh, that the hard ass cop that he's partnered with um, Einhorn, right? Is that her name? Well, yeah. He's not partnered with her, but she she always like gives him shit. Gives him shit. Like uh, they're working almost in tandem to solve this. He's gonna try to solve it before the police. They hate each other. She's you know this hard ass detective um, cop. Um, he he gets along better with Tone Loke's character, who's also a cop. Um, Tone Loke is had a crazy life. Yeah, <laughs> he's sort of like the straight man in the movie. Um, he's barely in it. Barely in it. But yeah, the female detective, um, Detective Einhorn. Um, it turns out that she is uh, a transitioned Ray Finkel, and, and the famous line is Finkel. Fink, Finkel is Einhorn, <laughs> and then which is an amazing line. Yeah. Unfortunately, tarnished by the transphobia. I don't yeah. know what does it call it because he goes Finkel is Einhorn. My God, yeah. Finkel is Einhorn. Yeah, so like, there's a dramatic scene where he th- throws up, burns his clothes in a uh, drum, my cries friend, in the shower, he takes a plunger. And plunges his on, he plunges his face for kissing a man. Yeah, so the the gay panic and transphobia is uh, is through the roof. Oh, there's the a bunch of gay panic stuff in there. There's a part where he's in the bathroom with one of the, oh, the yeah. former uh, Dolphins players, and he's trying to look for the ring because he, there's a piece he looks over the, the urinal, yeah. and the other one like chases after him in, the, in like a really like dainty way, dainty yeah. way. And I'm just like, that, come on, yeah, gay, no one- gay panic is a staple in, in comedy, and 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 it's lesser for it. I mean, it was preva- still prevalent, but it was even prevalent in, like, the more highbrow, like, even 40-year-old virgin had the scene with the transvestite who had, quote, 
her hands were as big as mine, and her Adam's apples was as big as her balls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a wild line, but and, and then even it's like you know how I know you're gay. The Judd, the um, Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen lobbying back and forth. So it's like they're they're it's a gross trope. But it was almost like that, that like plunging his face because he kissed a man and throwing up and then seeing at the end where he turns Einhorn around and she has like a bulge, which didn't look like, didn't look a dick and balls. Yeah. It was like she had, she had tucked her genital, her male genitals. How, how far was this movie pushing PG 13 at the time? That scene is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, That that scene scene is a lot. It seemed like basically, you know, a dick print. And played it for as like something that gross. That like a Walkman. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was like, "She's got rocks in her." Pants. Yeah. Like, I, thought, I thought it was. I thought it was doo I thought she shit her pants. <laughs> I didn't do. Okay. I, it was shit. I was like, "It's rocks or shit." Because <laughs> <laughs> all the cops throw up. Yeah. Because I was like, "Damn, like the damn, like so, I mean, I used to shit my pants too." That, that's yeah. The so yeah, when he watches as a naive child, you don't realize the um, the grotesque gender politics and implications. Uh, of that scene, but you know, yeah, it it has not aged well. But what comedy has? Not, I'm not apologizing for it. It's rough. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that, he, he beats the shit out of her. Yeah, too. they get into a fist oh, yeah. fight. He he also continues to say that she's a man. Yeah, and she is not a man. Yeah, violently misgendering people. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's really rough watching through a 2018 lens. I, I mean, this is why. You know, like I said, uh, comedy has the uh, lifespan of a banana. It's um, <laughs> it's it's really hard to justify this stuff through a modern context. So, but, banana bread, so good. <laughs> so, uh, before we move on to the next movie, which is still in '94, uh, still in '94, what was the best catchphrase in the Ace Ventura? That's going to be the trophy. Oh Jesus! Hmm. Alrighty then, I'm just gonna. I'll be. I'll, I'll take the easy road out. I All, really. I, I don't know why, but I really like the laces out. Laces out. Yeah, yeah. that that works. I also really like Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I remember and rot in hell. Sorry. <laughs> I was I was definitely the kind of like uh, eight year old knucklehead who did the the talking out of his ass thing. Oh yeah. Um, but I remember saying Lehu Zaher. Yeah, that was a lot in like middle school and like that like was a deep burn back then. Yeah, that was a deep cut, baby. <laughs> uh, I'm think, sure there's others I can think. I mean, of. Uh, here's the thing. I, We're I, just asking I, for your favorite yeah. one. We're just I think for your Finkel, one. Finkel is Einhorn. Yeah. He's, like if if you were just saying like just saying that just sounds like a revelation about like someone in disguise. Yeah. Like if you say it and you like don't conceptualize what it's actually about, yeah. it's oh. like oh that's a good line. Now it's like it, it's very bad. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was like before I realized how just horrible it was. It was one of my favorite lines. But I mean. I hate do not go in there, but it's I was gonna say, well, really good. I'm glad you said that. That's if we can talk about one positive influence it has. We felt the Ace Ventura influence in uh, one of the best comedies like, of the century that came out two years ago, Pop Star, when Connor Perel, <laughs> oh, yeah. played by Andy Samberg, <laughs> shits in the Anne Frank house <laughs> and walks out and does do not go in there. <laughs> and Pop, Star, an un, Pop Star is an unsung hero of comedies, okay? Totally. Go, go fucking it. get that movie right now. Uh, a loser already, that is. Yeah, yeah he's, I mean, he's already yeah. then all throughout it. Who's, I mean, they, come on. You're her. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Jim Carrey's got a lot of jaw action going on. Oh, God. Yeah. So the next movie on the slate, 94's The Mask, mm-hmm. an adaptation of a Dark Horse comic directed by Chuck Russell. Uh, it's continuing the streak of Jim Carrey. It is about a mild-mannered banker named Stanley Ipkiss who finds a... 
some type of strange Nordic mask, puts it on one day. <laughs> I, there's no explanation. They there say, is like, no, it's like, they say it's Loki's yeah, spirit. Yeah, and he's like, Loki? Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what do you mean? But the, uh, and, and he basically... Listen, the mask doesn't have a plot. Let me, let's just be yeah, clear. Yeah, no. It, this, today was the first time I'd seen it maybe in like one sitting actually in my life. It had been about 20 years since I've seen this movie. It's, I mean, yeah. it's not good. It's not terrible, but it's not like a good movie. There's no, it's, there's, it's no there's no plot. There's it's literally no plot. It's a showcase for Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. that's literally what it is. Um, it is. If I could boil it down to one thing is he finds the mask. Uh, he does Jim Carrey things. Uh, there are a lot of set pieces that allow him to do Jim Carrey things. Yeah. It has literally the the movie. I don't know if you guys noticed this has like four locations. All look it all looked like it was done on a set. Like the bank, his apartment, the club, and then the bridge where the he bridge. finds so the, much was yeah. shot on a lot. Obviously, yeah, it was on a lot. There's yeah. so many of like the Dutch. Uh, like corner of a building <laughs> shot that like shows an alley yeah, that yeah. is just a lot alley. Uh, but the movie, called, I mean, I'm obviously probably for CGI purposes alone. It's a twenty three million dollar movie. It doesn't look that bad. Well, guys, Oscar nominated for its special effects. Was it? Yes, yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. So and I will say, like, even though the plot isn't that strong, like Chuck Russell is a pretty awesome director, and I think he injected a lot of like atmosphere that maybe wouldn't have been in a film like that totally. like it's got it's got a weird like film noir like yeah, yeah. yeah. 50 feel to it the and, world and, building of it yeah. is successful and in like a lot of ways the score is like this kind of like magical like moody thing i don't know i really like that aspect yeah i think it makes it more than just a jim carrey like being silly vehicle yeah yeah totally and i don't think his performance is bad either like golden globe nominated for that he's doing whatever the fuck he wants to do in this movie yeah that's literally what i think they don't even have a script for the mask parts it was because the comic book character wasn't was wasn't really like that but like in the movie is so i don't even think i noticed it when i was a kid the mask is not a good guy like he robs the bank and tr- and kills multiple people. I, I think that I think it's important to bring up because the movie doesn't indict or damn the uh, Stanley Epkis for his behavior when the mask is on. He learns that like okay, I don't like this guy. Yeah, but it's like a minimal payoff. Like he's having a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. being super creepy. There's some sh- more strange sexual politics. And he creepiness. kisses so many women. Yeah. He, he, he's without he's, the permission. Yeah, he's a legit, and kisses. he's a legitimate sex pest in this movie. And like the movie should punish him for that. And they, it kind of does because his life, he, he enjoys it too much and it spirals out. But like, yeah, he's not a good guy. And I think that's why I, I know we're jumping ahead here. I think it's a really interesting. No, kid. jump ahead. Cause we got to, we got one more movie yeah. to get to. I, I think I'm saying it's a strange, it's an interesting companion piece to, I think me, myself and Irene, where it's like, here's this thing where it's like, it has this bifurcated identity and it's like, and me, myself and Irene, no, that guy is rotten and we should hate him. Well, we're sort of in, uh, encouraged to cheer for Stanley Epkins, who's this sort of like helpless, hapless schmuck who like finally gets the girl and he's confident and wins. And we're like, yeah, but no, he's also, yeah, like molesting women. Because the mask is his real self. Yeah. yeah. That's what they explain. Yeah, it's it's, it's who he wants says to be. It's, in, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. it's who he wants to be. You yeah. guys, can I, this one thing that has always really fucking bothered me about the mask is how the the mask looks when it's not on somebody's face. Yeah. Like it kind of just morphs to your face, but the mask like by itself is so lame and stupid. <laughs> I, I don't like it. It's like my biggest knock on the mask. I was never a diehard fan because the mask is it cool. Yeah. But I, I love the design of the mask on him. Like it's, yeah. oh, it's so iconic. Like, yeah, I, 
I feel like it was iconic before I even saw it. Like, I remember it coming out on VHS and running it and being like, yeah. oh, I saw that cover, and I was like, man, he looks so fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, all you see is his fucking teeth. Yeah. That's really all you see. Which is, I, why, which is why I think it works really well. It speaks to what Chuck Russell did, who, you know, cut his teeth in horror with, like, the blob and, and Nightmare. Night, Nightmare. Yeah, it's like, because when the villain puts it on, mm-hmm. our... Oh, yeah. Our sweet '90s king villain, Peter Green. Peter Green, who's the, literally the villain in every '90s. Movie. Well, Peter Green, they could they try to sell him the the diamonds in uh, Usual Suspects. Yeah, they meet him in, like in California, yeah. <laughs> like on that plateau, the giant well, stuff. Like many classic performances. Yeah, remember him in Blue Streak, another diamond heist gone wrong. Like yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he's like the best '90s villain. Um, but yeah, when he when the villain puts it on, who already has a bad conscious let alone his id is even more off the charts than jim carrey's that it's actually like legitimately scary i remember being oh, yeah. scary watch uh being scared watching that in theaters as a kid um there it, it gets super dark and like almost like grotesque to the point where it's um yeah there's some true horror elements there for as much as i knock every superhero movie now where the villain is just like an evil version of the hero like same costume <laughs> yeah. like that's but, where it started like, that's where it started yeah, but this it, it actually works because of what the mask itself yeah. does. Yeah. It's not like, you know, Wolverine fighting Wolverine. Yeah. There, there's a, a couple things I want to hit on on this movie. Uh, the first, the jokes are decidedly way more adult in this movie than... It's sometimes even more than Ace Ventura. There's a part where he's making balloon animals and he pulls out a condom. Yeah. A used used condom. It's a used one. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? And then there's a part where he... And and this part makes no sense also. What did Cameron Diaz exactly want to meet him in the park for? What did she think was about to go down? Yeah. That that seems weird. Yeah, there was some strange... Like, again, like... The, she existed. She's great in it for the, her first movie. Yeah, the, for the minimal amount that was written for her, she she is a commanding presence at a young age, and 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 carries that uh, makes us care about a role that was not written to be cared about. But uh, yeah, I mean, she really exists to be the out of his league love interest, or not even like lust interest. For this uh, sad he sack. He straight up wants to fucking rape her yeah, in the park. Yeah, he said, a, I'm going to divide and conquer. Yeah, there's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, take Ace Ventura's horny levels and, like, <laughs> inject... Repress uh, them without the success <laughs> of Ace Ventura. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it's rough, man. I'm telling you, like, watching this as a kid, you just don't pick this shit up. I'm like, holy shit, like... This stuff was allowed to fly in a 90s studio comedy. He's more handsome with the mask on is his problem. <laughs> Jim Carrey's kind of a strange-looking guy. His features are simplified with yeah. the mask, and yeah. he looks good. Yeah, he's got a defined jawline. But, like, it's just so funny that, like, you know, Stanley Ipkiss, yeah, they, they, they dress. His wardrobe is very, like, drab. Cab Calloway. Yeah. Big-ass suits. Big-ass yeah, suits. Big-ass suits and patterned shirts that are yeah. dominantly the same color of the suit. Yeah. <laughs> I was paying close attention <laughs> of course. to this. But, like, yeah, he's not like, the, he's not like an ugly guy by any chance, but yet Cameron Diaz's character is, like, somehow, like, instantly horned up when she sees him <laughs> in a matador costume <laughs> with, with a green mask on. Like, it, it's out of control. Almost it's, nobody says anything about his green face or powers. Or, yeah, or the, the fact movie. that he's sitting at the... But that's what I want to talk about, too. Like, it's almost like he lives in his own world. It's like he's his face is literally popping off of his fucking, yeah. like, It's face. everything's doing the, the wolf. Yeah. And those old are they... And no one's saying anything. Looney Tunes he, wolf? Yeah, I don't it's, know. it's a Looney Tunes. He guy. picks her up in the, in, the, in the cabana, whatever that shit's called, the Copacabana, whatever the fuck yeah. that place is called, and no one's like, who the fuck is this one? Yeah. 
no one's like, why is he grabbing this woman and spinning her in the, in the air? And she's not dead. Yeah, the dancing would have killed her. <laughs> and there, there are a lot of dancing musical scenes yeah. in this fucking movie, way more than is necessary. Yeah, it's uh, it adds like a really fever dreamy element to it. And when he literally accepts an Oscar for running for a million, sorry, sorry, no, no, go for it. No. There's a scene when like he's getting held up, and to distract the guys, he's like running through a bunch of impressions, which he does frequently throughout the movie. Yeah. And <laughs> Then after, like, the 30th impression, like, there's – I don't know what this technique is called, but, like, at the bottom of the screen, like, superimposed at the bottom, there's, like, a uh, like a crowd, crowd. silhouette. Yeah. And then, like, he's, like, accepting an Oscar all of a sudden. And, of course, like, he says, like, you like me, you really like me. Like, Sally he's Field. still doing fucking impressions yeah. and shit. But, like – but then the world, like you said, sort of molds to him. Like, when he's giving this – Breaking the fourth wall. They should have shot his ass. And, uh, no, but yeah. But then, like, you see Peter Green, like, oh, I'm on TV. And he, like, yeah. And yeah. straightens out his suit. Yeah, I really his, like puts that Puts his gun much. away. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was, I mean, there's some really wacky, fantastical elements that work. It's just, you know, the, the jokes that take to get there uh, can can really, looking back, just, like, it, it is beyond cringy. You yank your collar. But, yeah, like you said, it, it Jim Carrey, even more so than the broadness of Ace Ventura, is allowed to. Just be as manic and big, and that sort of comedy, I I frown upon now. But he is so good. He's kind of racist too. At, at who the mask? Yeah, he's kind of racist. What did he do? Cuban Pete. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's <laughs> there's, there's racial caricatures. Uh, like he has maracas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. A lot, there's, of, a lot of costuming. Yeah. Uh, from the mask. You know. You know. For a guy who you know cut his teeth on a on a black sketch comedy, you think he know a little better. But maybe maybe uh, Keenan Ivory gave him a pass. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, sure. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, one one thing that was whack is that Peter Green's mask doesn't have didn't have any powers. He was just evil. Like he was just a monster. He didn't do shit. He, he spit bullets. Yeah. He spit bullets back at people, yeah. but that was it. He didn't have any power. Yeah, it would have been nice to see him really like lace fuck like, some shit up. He didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. Man. He got the mask and he was like, ah, I'm cool with this shit. Those uh, would have been like higher budget effects because he was a bigger guy. He yeah, had to like destroy some his shit neck. or something. His, his fucking neck yeah. had prosthetics on it. That shit looked yeah, fucking it was, painful. It, was yeah. it, looked, it looked weird. Um, let's talk about his dog. Oh, I'm so My glad dog. you brought this up. First off. It, I mean, I, are you going where I think you're going? Maybe. Okay. The dog wearing the mask and then taking the mask off. Most enjoyable part of the movie. It's it's great. And what a life that dog must have had afterward. <laughs> like that dog went to a dark place that it cannot understand <laughs> at all for like a good like three minutes. Like something strange happened and it doesn't know what it talk, was. Talk about how the mask, like. Size wise, shrunk itself down to his face yeah, yeah. <laughs> twice. It's and then he looks like this was another effect that I actually thought looked pretty good was the dog's face with the mask on it. Yeah, all yeah. CGI. It doesn't look yeah. like you know good now, yeah. but all things considered, for the I time, it looked good. I think that might have gotten a denomination. The honestly. dog, the dog, the dog, and just the the prosthetic of the mask was cool. I really want to talk about the dog climbing up a fucking jail wall and just to get to Jim Carrey uh, in the beginning of the third act. Uh, when he told him to jump, and he he literally did a Spider Man. Yeah, up yeah. The fucking it's wall. a big <laughs> jump. Uh, it's a huge jump. The, the dog is. It, it solidifies small. the dog as basically like one of the main characters in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I again the mask, like we did with the, with Ace Ventura, best one liner. Somebody stop me. Somebody stop me. Somebody stop me. Smoking. Smoking. Yeah. He does that at the end after he kisses her, and I'm like, 
Uh, you should have lost the pussy for that. The, the, the Mask is one of the movies that highlights for me, like, the weirdness of, like, the, the romance aspect of superhero movies where, like, the love interest kind of knows that it's, like, the same person, but, like, yeah. it's playfully, like, she goes along with, like, not knowing. Yeah. Like, and in this one, because the mask makes him so different, like, almost a different guy, like, it's a little rapier than usual. Like, it's yeah. just a You're weird... You tried to rape me a day ago. It's just a weird, like... Which, like, speaks to the id of who wrote this shit. It's like, are you... Is this, like, something you get off to? Like, I want to, like, wear some creepy mask and make out with a girl who's a little reluctant and then yell a catchphrase. <laughs> She's a little more than reluctant. <laughs> and yell out a catchphrase. Like she kicks him in the balls. Oh yeah, she, she does fight back yeah. and then, like, ultimately relents. Like, it's it's super creepy, man. Uh, somebody... I mean, again, I'm, I'm just going to say, yeah, the, the two... That that have been named are both classic, but like, so, I mean, the man is he, it's like Arnold, like, yeah. he, he's a yeah. catchphrase king. Somebody stopped me and smoking. Yeah. I mean, there. Oh, last thing about the mask smoking. There's a scene when, like, he, he's dreaming about seeing, he like fucks up when he sees Cameron Diaz at the club the first time, and so he's having a dream about seeing her there again. And when she pulls up, he's like standing outside glamorously oh, yeah, smoking a Porsche. cigarette. <laughs> and it's so, like, it was just so weird to see somebody, I mean, in a PG 13 movie, smoking a cigarette. And just like, it was just like the most glamorous thing. Like, the point <laughs> of the scene is. I'm glamorous right now because I am like I'm just mainlining this scene. I mean, this is the same movie that has him stick like carburetors up people's assholes. Yeah, and like yeah, it's wild. It's just weird. Yeah. Uh, last movie before we take a break, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, Fairly Brothers movie. Oh, before we before we get to that, the mask made three hundred million dollars. That's insane. Wow. So he he went up. Yeah. From Race Ventura, but uh, Dumb and Dumber. Very dark comedy here. Probably the darkest of all of these movies we've talked about. This is my favorite comedy of all time. Interesting. All time. I think that's a totally I, fair thing I to say. Fair. I saw this in the theater, and my dad saw it uh, a week before, and he took me to see it for his second time. But when he saw it the first time, he laughed so hard in the theater that he pissed his pants and had to go home. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Sorry, Dad. Yeah. I did see I saw my dad too, yeah, and he uh, he lost his no pun intended, he lost his shit during the diarrhea scene. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's funny. My dad loves the uh, There's something there's a universal language of, of a good diarrhea joke that brings all <laughs> generations together. My dad loves uh, so you're saying there's a chance? He thinks he. I mean, who doesn't? But like, my it dad has, doesn't give a shit about movies like this, and yeah. he he knows. If if there is any movie of this time of this year, Jim Carrey's done this now the third time. If there's any movie that pushes the PG-13 limit <laughs> to the edge, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber is that movie. Yeah. It's it it is a story of two friends, incredibly stupid friends, who go on a cross country event. Again, this movie has no plot. There really isn't a plot. And it probably has the most plot of any of these uh, any three, three movies. movies yeah. In yeah. having no plot, the plot is get from point A to point B, get the item back to person at point B. They go on a cross-country adventure. They find all all sorts of antics. And uh, I, I think this is a movie you can discuss based on set pieces, really, yeah. more yeah. than the other movies I than mean, anything else. It's such a – I mean, it's still a thing that comedies do, but especially in the 90s, comedies are like set pieces – that exist for antics mm-hmm. and the plot really is only the beginning of the first act and the end of the third act yeah. and everything between that 
is stuff that is basically interchangeable. Mm. Yeah, because in order to get to the plot, they have to get, of course, they have to get fired from their jobs. Yeah. And then they have yeah. to take the, the dog grooming vehicle. That's how that's how they're getting to point A. And then you then you keep going. I There's one understated moment of this movie, and I love, like, we're going to talk about set pieces, obviously. I love when <laughs> Lloyd comes back with the little scooter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing with the mirror. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> And it's like, wait a minute! You traded Carvis scooter, and it's like so absurd. But the way he's playing it, so straight face, like this is a Porsche. Like this is the this is better than what we fucking had. And then they, and then he loves it. I really love that scene. I think you know more than anything. That's a, that is a scene that always sticks out with me when he's riding up the fucking street, and it's like this motherfucker got a motor yeah. scooter. I think the movie works primarily because you believe them as friends, and it's such a great the chemistry like, comedic, is real. Yeah comedic turn for Jeff Daniels, yeah. who was a very serious actor uh-huh. at that point. Yeah, that movie was like a release valve for him yeah. after like like arachnophobia and speed and uh, and uh, you know all these high art, high falut- oh, Gettysburg. Yeah. Like he made he's made a ton of capital S serious films right before this. And it's especially impressive considering who he's going like toe to toe with. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like he's the straight man, and like no. he's getting like, he wants up him like, yeah multiple mm-hmm. times. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, this he, is one movie where Jim Carrey gets bodied countless yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. That's like they sort of what what's fascinating about it is like they sort of violate a cardinal rule of comedy, which is like if you have someone as big as Jim Carrey, you go the opposite way to balance it out. Have either some sort of sight gag or personality difference uh, that evens it out, like the way like Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell balance each other out where like if one's going super big the other guy plays it straight Jeff, Jeff Daniels are you talking about that movie where Will Ferrell goes to jail get hard uh, <laughs> which is a problematic movie yeah, I was gonna life. say I can't believe of all the movies you could have brought up I was just thinking more about the height differential but like this was um, that's like the visual gag that works but when it's like two guys going toe to toe on like character traits alone like yeah one guy should have been straight or the opposite but they were just yeah a, a, a smorgasbord of the same sort of just over the top uh, idiocy, like thundering idiocy. Uh, that yeah, it just it shouldn't work, but it does. And I I think it sort of laid a blueprint f- for better or for worse. We can talk about it, but like the bromance sort of trope that would define later comedies, where it's like you care about how much these friends love each other, and it hurts you when they have a falling out in the middle of them in the second act. You know, yeah, like you yeah. want to see them work it out. Like Wes was saying. The chemistry is is so real, and that's a testament to these performances. And you just like want to see them hang out. Like yeah. the movie, like it has a plot, but it's simple. It's like point A to point B, and it works because you just want to see these two idiots like go across America and have yeah. weird encounters with normal people. And they're like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I honest to God, I, I I wouldn't say this is my favorite comedy. Uh, that would be dodgeball, but. Uh, <laughs> I it's up there and I think it, it I mean so many we we got to run through just a couple of the all-time is there so many lines in this movie I mean yeah. uh all-time uh, moment killing mental with the burger yeah <laughs> that, uh the burger uh the bird the bird yeah, uh, PD. yeah PD selling PD to the kid yeah, just them, have a head. just them and the, just them those them in those tuxedos and this spray yeah. the mouth the mouth the Bianca the wrong way yeah. in people's eyes um, uh, lighting the fart on fire. Oh god! Yeah, uh, dream, his dream sequence. Yeah, where he beat, yeah, the, where, that's <laughs> yeah. where he lights the fart and then like beats up a chef. He knows kung fu and it's like rips, rip, his, heart rips his heart out. <laughs> Puts in a doggy bag. PG thirteen. 
mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, so you're saying there's a chance? Yeah. I mean, big gulps, huh? All right, see ya. Well, <laughs> see you later. That's all improv, by the way. One of my favorite parts ever is the. Uh, the, when they when they, they uh, get what's his name to pay for their sea bass sea bass I was just about to bring sea bass yeah. kick his ass sea bass like, which it is like when they just he just gestures to sea bass and sea bass yeah I think it's a really good scheme yeah. one of the, my favorite parts is when he's like hey, they cut them to a mile down the road they slit their throats like, <laughs> I, that is one of the all time jokes for me that is, I think that is the funniest and shit. and the thing is we haven't even mentioned really in depth the laxative part which is the biggest gag yeah. of the movie yeah. also. I think this gets lost because of the diarrhea, but they get that cop to drink piss. I was just about yeah. To <laughs> oh yeah, tic tac, sir. <laughs> yeah, Harlan Harlan Williams pulls up as a cop. He's like, "You guys been throwing back grandpa's on cough medicine." <laughs> like he he is, and like that just shows oh you. Oh my god, he was so we went so big for no reason. He's like, like, dude, we don't need you to go toe to toe with Jim Carrey either. Like everything is, just screams like eccentric tick with him, and then so he he pulls him over, thinking they've been swerving because he had spilled. Jim Carrey's trying to piss in a beer bottle and he spills. So the cop pulls him over and he's like, "Give me some of that beer." Like nobody talks like this, and, he, and, he drinks it. and then I kid you not, it's like four minutes of like him just because he drink piss. He's like. <laughs> like, it's, it, like eyes twitching Like you wouldn't do it You wouldn't just throw up And keep it moving Like he has like a legit Like his brain misfires uh, It's unbelievable man My favorite thing in that scene Is when he's He gets him to roll the window down And he goes Pull over yeah. And Jeff Daniels goes Oh It's a cardigan Thanks <laughs> yeah, there's, some, there's some great 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 one liners And, and oh it's, it's so good That it makes you forget That it's like These characters are written as Definitely, like, they don't. How do they even take showers in the morning? Yeah. Stupid, they're like, like on the spectrum. Almost. How do they even breathe? Yeah. Like, how do they even remember to breathe? Stupid, and it's like it all works because the gags were set up so perfectly. Where it's like certain, certain times you'll not you'll forget about the, the, the last one, but because it, it just tops itself every single yeah, time. They commit to the bit where it's like there is no, yeah, they are dumb through and through it. They don't automatically get smart when it's time to get out of a pinch, like, they are just. Idiots, and they're and, never rewarded. Yeah, really. Yeah. Like, the, well, they're the, almost rewarded, but yeah. they're too dumb to take. One that, of the most classic endings to a comedy I, ever. I think it's like that. The ending is what makes like okay. This is why this movie's smart. Like, yeah, this is the Fairly Brothers' first movie, which is pretty insane to think about. Which they, they'd ha- they'd have a very good '90s as well, and then. Uh, not be able to repeat terrible. that success. Well, it's yeah. just, just like we were saying earlier, it goes out of fashion. Yeah, like they, they did a thing that they did for ten years, and then people were like, "Okay, what else?" Did you yeah. guys see the sequel? Yes, it's terrible. which one? Uh, I I haven't seen. The one where come back? Not the prequel. Yeah. Not the Dumb and Dumber. Wow. Or, tripping you guys. Is that this Dumb and <sighs> Dumb and Dumber Two? I I think both sequels actually have good titles. Dumber as and Dumber. As far as Dumb and Dumber is yeah. concerned, yeah. Dumb and Dumberer and Dumb and Dumber Two with. It's the wrong toe, too. The sequel, yes, is a terrible movie. Uh, Problematic movie, too. Yeah, problematic. uh, But this is the Jim Carrey episode. The Jim Carrey performance in that movie, he is strapping the movie to his back and just climbing up a mountain. He's LeBron in that shit. He (laughs) is trying... It is commendable. And some of it is really fucking funny. But, like, I don't want to see a movie... It it came out, what, 2015? 2014? 2015? I don't want to see a movie in, like, basically the modern era where somebody is 
pulling a catheter out of somebody and that's the gag. Yeah. Or like somebody's fingering an extra dry old woman's vagina. Well, it, that, like, the sequel was way more mean-spirited. Yeah, it was yeah. really mean. They, like, Dumb and Dumber is actually innocence. very... Yeah. There's an innocence to it. Yeah. Like, even the violent bits are played completely like they didn't know. They weren't aware. They were yeah. stupid. Yeah. Dumb they, and Dumber 2 is like, no, these motherfuckers are trying to kill people. And it yeah. undermines their friendship yeah. in yeah. like a weird, creepy way. I will yeah. say this about Dumberer and Dumber and Dumberer, uh, where, which neither of them return to. Uh, Eric Christian Olsen, who plays Lloyd Christmas in the prequel it's almost like a uh, prodigious performance it's actually really fucking good the movie is not funny but <laughs> he is real. like he commits it to it in a way that works and I do remember I remember I went I snuck into uh, what was the like the dollar theater back home was it uh, Janif? no like the pizza place um, in Norfolk Cinema Cafe Cinema Cafe yeah. uh, I remember seeing it which is where like all the old movies go to die yeah. and you can watch it for like a buck and get a pitcher of beer for 50 cents uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ uh, you make Virginia sound like a fucking uh, prohibition town <laughs> <laughs> might as well have been but yeah we, we used to sneak in they never checked our IDs we just get housed on like a school night uh, but yeah we, I remember we snuck in and watched that towards the end I was like I'm not spending a full dollar on this so I'm gonna watch the end and there was a really funny bit where it's like I just walk in poke my head in and I see Bob Saget like coming out of a room covered in shit <laughs> and he goes there's shit everywhere <laughs> and like no, with no context I was like okay this is the kind of movie that is and walked out but I uh, ended up watching it and being like okay that the guy who plays Lloyd Eric Christian Olsen is, is really good we gotta admire also Lloyd Christmas just great name epic great, name. great, great name. name yeah but uh, yes that I, I think it's not it's not uh, crazy to say that that's probably like the best of those three movies. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. No, Even till today, like I, it's I probably can watch it the best. Time. Yeah, yeah I put it against almost any comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like bar none. Just talking about it makes me want to watch it. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely gonna watch. Yeah, it. Yeah, we're fucking. We should all watch it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, for sure. We're like doubled over here laughing yeah. because it's cla- we're gonna lose like, it watching that fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it unreal. Is, it's the best. But what's everyone's? This is hard. The hardest one, probably. Yeah, this is the hardest one liner. What's your favorite quote one liner? I've got two, if that's allowed. Uh, Eric said said it earlier, but uh, which one? Uh, big gulps, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> uh, that and we landed on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. funny. No way. Yeah, he sees a, <laughs> er, er, the moon landing uh, newspaper clipping on the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and goes, no way, no way. <laughs> um, man, one liner. Um, There's so many. God, I, there's some of the t- tip of my tongue. Justin, you think one while I think? Go, go ahead, Pat. I always, <laughs> I, I've always done the I, first one. I seriously think that. Uh, so you're saying there's a chance? Yeah. Like I say that to people constantly. I think it's a, a classic line. Uh, I don't know if it's the line. It's got to be just the line delivery that is indelible to me because it's such a perfect scream and like the one of the few genuine moments of like pathos and, and drama in the movie where uh, the gas gets turned off and like he's like I'm tired of being a loser and he like walks in like slams his, slams his things down he's like we're broke nobody loves us our pets heads are falling off <laughs> screams at the fucking birdcage where like the, the hitmen uh, break the neck of the uh, of their bird PD or whatever uh, I, I didn't do it any justice for my line or anybody like, the way he screams a classic Jim Carrey like shout I think you gotta do uh, I think mine probably you wanna know what the most annoying sound in the world is oh, yeah. cause I did that to my sister all the time uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot. It's so dumb and so easy, but just speaks so perfectly to their idiocy. Whereas, uh, 
Oh, Australia. Austria. Austria. Well, Bumble Buddy's like, uh, put a shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> no, no, no. Shrimp on the barbie. Because he says Austria, and he thinks or that's Australia. When, or when, he's, when, he's, when he says, well, according to this, we've only gone about four inches. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I thought the Rocky Mountains would be a lot rockier yeah. than this. That John Denver's full of shit, yeah. man. Yeah. PG-13. Yeah. yeah. It just, uh, like, even, like, hearing ourselves laughing, this is so dumb. But Samsonite. I was <laughs> way off. <laughs> so, it's just Watson. there's something so genuine and sincere about it that it works. Um, uh, that that is our walk down the '94 era of Jim Carrey. The best. And after we get back from this, we're gonna we're gonna go down. We're gonna go Whoa, way down. Going, yeah, so '94 to '23. Yeah, we're, we're gonna go way down. So uh, stay tuned on late fees. We'll be right back. License and registration, please. You fellas were going a little fast back there, wouldn't you say? You, uh, you fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? No. Oh, no, sir. Oh, no. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, well, what's that? That's nothing, sir. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, well, uh, you aware that, uh, it's against the law to have an open alcohol container here in the state of Pennsylvania? Come on, give me that booze, you little pumpkin pie hair-cutted freak. Come on. Thir- no, wait, 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 wait. No, sir, don't. Don't drink. You'd keep your mouth shut if you knew it was good for you, buddy. Sir? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> All righty then. Welcome back to Late Fees. <laughs> oh, nice. uh, sponsored by Arclight. Shout out to Arclight. And Letterboxd. Uh, and, and Letterboxd. Check out my Letterboxd. But more importantly, check out Arclight. And, you know, go ahead and become an Arclight member. Become a part of the gold circle of Arclight members. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're all We're all part of it. But a shout out to Arclight. We are talking about Jim Carrey. We walked through in extensive detail his night, his legendary 1994. We're gonna kind of speed through his 95, 96. And the 95 was a big year for Jim Carrey as well. He had Batman Forever, which hold tight. We're gonna talk about Batman Forever. It's not today, okay? We have a whole podcast we have dedicated a whole, to that. We're gonna have a whole podcast dedicated to Batman Forever. Just, just hang tight with us. Uh, we also had Ace Ventura with When Nature Calls. Uh, really racist movie. It's a bad movie. It's, it's bad. I mean, even Jim himself said this movie's racist. Yeah, fuck. He, he even knew it was wrong, and like, <laughs> which sucks because it is one of the more. Chicago. It is the one of the more offensive characters to ever ask a black actor to perform, but Tommy Davison oh God. as his, like, f- his, the tribal foil, that yeah. he, like, the villain that he fight or, like, they, not a villain, but it's, like, the guy he has to fight in the tribe in Africa. It is one of the funniest performers <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. He doesn't speak English. It's, like, he makes up a, a gibberish dialect, and they fight with spears, <laughs> and it's yeah. the most offensive thing I've ever seen, but... God bless Tommy Davidson for going through with it. It's racist and it's bad. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. But I will say the scene where he comes out of the uh, robotic rhino yeah. Classic. is incredible. Uh, 
Yeah, the, the the family on the safari thinks they're watching a rhino give birth, and it's Jim Carrey, like ripping the asshole open of a f- animatronic it's rhino. Very graphic. Yeah, and he comes out. He's naked for some reason because it got so hot in there. Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, we we're we decided to bookend the Jim Carrey uh, arc with 2007's The Number Twenty Three. Yeah. Oof. Which unanimously unanimously panned by this group of uh, viewers and I didn't finish it. and audiences at large. Um, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Agree. It's <laughs> it's almost unwatch. It's almost unwatchable and incoherent in a way that does it doesn't even have charm. Like I've seen really bad movies that I can ironically enjoy because it's like so bad it's charming. This a lot of reviews for number twenty three. It has an eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, not a twenty. Well, eight plus uh, fifteen <laughs> yeah. is plus oh, divided yeah. by. I can't yeah. wait to dive into this uh, fucking movie. And it, it uh, fuck, uh, it is. Uh, I don't remember what I was gonna say, but yeah. it is. Uh, it's it's a shocking. Yeah, it's shockingly bad. But like, uh, just before we leap into that, I I, I think it's smart to sort of find the like the connective thread or some sort of linchpin that. I wouldn't say pivoted, but sort of uh, sh- sh- moved Jim Carrey to a different realm of acting because, like we said, he still had very classic and big comedy roles in the 90s, like 95, like you said, When Nature Calls, and then Batman as as Ed Nigma, the, uh, the Riddler, and Batman Forever. But I think it was 97's The Cable Guy, which first not only made him the first 96, 20, 96 pardon me, uh, the first $20 million actor to ever live. He was the first actor to receive that much money as a baseline salary. Uh, it was a very polarizing film uh, for how dark and un- unsettling and just straight up weird it was. Um, it was directed by Ben Stiller, Woo! starring, yeah, and I could go on about how much I love Ben as a director. Um, but it's you know starred Matthew Broderick and and Jim Carrey as this very unlike for the very first time an unlikable, like like aggressively unlikable um, sociopath. They who, call that against type. Yes, exactly. And it, it was his first time, and then that's a great point. First time of him really spreading his wings a bit, and it is built as a comedy, but it's it is a tragic comedy. It's very it's dark. Anything but. Yeah, and <laughs> I think it was the first time we really got to see. Jim Carrey sort of telegraphed that sort of like melancholy and darkness that was in him. He wasn't just this big goofball that we got in the know, like a, a sort of like a Robin Williams type where, you know, Robin would show us his dramatic chops, but we sort of recognize him as this clown. And uh, instead of like uh, this tragic, the, there's two masks, you know, the comedy mask and the tragedy mask. And we never really got to see it. And uh, Jim Carrey's cable guy was the first time we really saw that. The darkness even extends to like he's like sinister. Yeah, oh yeah, he, like it's, he's violent. He he's a stalker. He um, uh, there it tiptoes in a way that you empathize with him, but then it, all of it goes out the window when you see like this guy is almost irredeemable. And you know Ben Stiller is makes a good point to make this more just about like um, you know some some broad character casting where it's like it is a movie about uh, a society that becomes obsessed with has a pornographic obsession with their screens. Uh, becomes how we watch, how we consume media. Um, what the the lines blurring between reality and and, and fiction. That's sort of what, what that movie was about, and it, and it it showed Jim Carrey could have the range to go on to do far more darker and dramatic stuff. Where whether it was dramatic like um, the Truman Show, which was funny and very sad and poignant, which worked, and then 
movies like um, Man on the Moon, where he played Andy Kaufman, which also divided critics. It wasn't as dark, but um, it wasn't that big of a hit. Um, it was... It, it ruffled some feathers. People thought Jim Carrey did too much, and, and it's notoriously known now through this documentary uh, that he was so method that he drove um, Michel Gondry... Uh, Milos Forman. Uh, sorry, Milos Forman, like, through the roof. Nobody wanted to work with Got him. his ass beat for real. Yeah, like Jerry Lawler like, really smacked <laughs> him around for a bit. But, then, but that's part of the mythos, was that them carrying on the Andy Kaufman legacy. But back to, I mean, Cable Guy for a second. Yeah. Like, that movie was... Really sold. I don't know if anybody remembers those commercials. It was oh, yeah. sold as like, hey, he's back, wacky guy. Yeah, yeah. it was not no. sold as this dysfunctional guy. It is capital B black comedy. Yeah, it, it is. Um, yeah, dysfunctional is a perfect word. It, it, this guy, uh, again, might have been on the spectrum <laughs> in a way that he can't function. He he is so, um, so altered like on a chemical level by television they he he wants to emulate this sort of he hasn't really felt an intimate relationship that he becomes obsessive and and crosses every boundary with a client of his uh, played by Matthew Broderick where he ends up uh, taking over his life taking over his life <laughs> ruining his love life ruining his job and it becomes yeah this almost like sick cat, cat and mouse game that winds up violent it was kind of like a comedic uh, single white female. Yeah, yeah. In a way. Um, yeah. I thought it was really interesting, and I've always thought it was interesting about this movie that Ben Stiller was the one directing Jim mm-hmm. here, where it's like, you know, Ben didn't want the Ace Ventura, Riddler, uh, the mask. Jim Carrey, he wanted a different He wanted a different Jim Carrey at this point. And, and he got it. And he like, got it. A lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the guys who, I mean, Jim Carrey has a really storied career in comedy. It's like, this guy was opening for Pryor at one point. Like he would go up before Pryor at the cellar and, uh, or at the store, excuse me. And like, people knew that most comics hate the big, broad impressions guy or props guy. But like, there was something. There was that fine line of, in Jim's stand-up where it was like, yeah, he's over the top and big in a way that Robin, Robin Williams was. But there's also there's something profoundly sad about it that I oh, think yeah. that I think comics really gravitated toward, towards. And Ben Stiller, who to his credit had I think the Ben Stiller show had just got canceled by Fox. Ben Stiller, you know, riding the the momentum of his parents um, in the comedy world, always had a, he sort of like subverting expectation where he had this this ability to to take something that could have easily been yeah it's a big broad clownish movies starting mm-hmm. the big broad clown of our time but instead like injecting it and making it a something super meta uh, meta commentary and intertextual comedy co- commentary on like how comedy and just entertainment is consumed in general and take the biggest star at the time pay him the most money that any fucking actor had ever gotten in the world <laughs> and make him do this really unlikable like antagonistic role i think this is to me his most underrated role yeah, I, I didn't. It's a tough movie for me to even go back and watch to this yeah, day, yeah. but I still love the movie. I, I can't. I have trouble watching it. Yeah, I, I actually saw it in the theater, and I remember I took, got my mom to take me. And you were right; it was ad, advertised as a Jim Carrey film. Mm-hmm. You know, like this guy's wacky. Because they were they the whole crux of it was the performance scene where he's saying performing somebody to love. Oh, yeah, that's what they show. And, somebody to yeah, love. yeah, and they show that, and it's like, oh, this is about to be crazy. Yeah, yeah. and then they showed the thing where he's like, Cable. Guy, yeah, you know, that was Jim Carrey, and then I saw it and I was like, I don't know if I like this. We were too young to like grasp that. It's like he's like, uh, it, was, it was just weird and kind of gross. Yeah, even the cover looks like a fucking horror movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, not only like he's got the cable, which like in like horror as like a trope is like 
You're gonna electrocute you know, somebody. Cut, you, like you're gonna, yeah, it's that or like I've cut like the, the fucking power to your house, like that type <laughs> yeah. of thing. And he's like, you know, that like, Jim Carrey grin. Like, and, like, and it's like he's got like a like a crew cut, yeah. Yeah. which for Jim Carrey is like, like he, I mean, he's like like Tom Cruise. He's a man of of many hairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but the, he doesn't wear the crew cut except as as the cable guy. And it's and I think it's also tough to watch because it's like when you know what's gonna happen. And you know the downfall is coming, and you know like how the movie ends. It's such a depressing fucking ending because yeah. even then, it's like the movie is kind of bookended by this this trial that kind of mirrors the uh, what was the trial? Was it the Melendez brothers? It was mirroring. Yes, it was. What was the it? Menendez. 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 Was, was, yeah, it was the Sam the Sam Sweet trial. Yeah. Ben Stiller uh, playing the. Uh, coming from behind the camera to play the surviving twin brother of a murdered twin brother, uh, Sam and Stan Sweet. Uh, but like that just that just show. I, I was talking about it earlier. It's like this. He has an obsession with like these intertextual meta moments that no director, comedy director, does better. Like think about the fake trailers in the beginning of Tropic Thunder, yeah. or just like the celebrity cameos as, like, a, a, a texture in, in uh, Zoolander. Like, he loves blending, like, real elements and or at least injecting, like, a very self-aware moment, like a winking moment, but, like, making it very fully realized and lived in. Like, uh, not only is there a fake trial that's sort of like O.J. Menendez Brothers that is the centerpiece because throughout the world everyone's glued to their TVs waiting to see the verdict. Before the verdict is even announced in the murder within the movie, within the movie... <laughs> There's a movie within the movie within the movie starring Eric Roberts yeah. as both the tw- the Sweet <laughs> Brothers, and it's like a movie like it just shows you how like uh, obsessive we are with with entertainment. Like a movie about this murder had already been made before the verdict was wrapped, and it's like yeah, uh, Eric Roberts, Julia Roberts' brother playing both, and it's just yeah, man, that shit was brilliant. And there's like that that violent scene with Owen Wilson in the bathroom. Oh man, yeah, like it. Oh, fu- I forgot about that. Yeah, and, yeah, like. PG thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a PG. Th- yeah, it, 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 it definitely it is. is. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And Justin, you're talking about being underrated, which I don't want to run away from. It, but we should probably go for it. Admit, but uh, it kind of gets lost among because he had this ninety ninety four, but then Cable Guy exists alongside of Truman Show and Liar Liar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both it, more critically acclaimed. Yeah, and way more money. And Liar Liar. Uh, was almost on a dumb and dumber level uh, mm. with some of my friends, like mm. as far as like quotability and the claw. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I never liked it more, but I did. I do remember watching it a lot. Too. Yeah, like. Uh, and then he, I don't know. Do you want to keep? No, no. It was, it was sandwiched in a weird place where it's like he's been doing all these big movies. He might have had one kind of slip with Ace Ventura, but this comes out. It's like okay, return to form. Yeah. But it's like not the way you thought it was going to be. And the Cable Guy ends up being, I mean, one of his most to this day most polarizing movies that he's ever done. Yeah, it's like it sort of had a revisit, like re-evaluation, uh, where it's like kind of flopped. Critics hated it. It's like, wait, we expect, like you said, we're expecting the clown, not this sinister guy mm-hmm. with a lisp. Um, and then, yeah, I think recently now, after like it's twenty years, it's like, okay, we were wrong about this mm-hmm. movie. Like, it's worth the watch. Yeah, it's great. It's, a little, it's smart. It's, yeah. chal- it's challenging in a way that a lot of big comedies weren't. And yeah, and then he went right back to Liar Liar, which like critics loved because it was silly, but it also showed he wasn't all just like dick jokes and butt yeah. talking like that. The movie had some sensitivity to it. Then he does Truman Show, which yep. Golden Globe nominee, yeah. fantastic. I mean, I, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it is really sad that when the moment uh, of. Uh, who plays his friend? Ed Harris. Oh no, uh, the neighbor you mean with the beer? The guy from the Americans, right? Roland. 
Uh, Emmerich? Emmerich. Yeah. Yeah, it's his uh, friend, right? Yeah. When he says, like, like what are you talking Noah about? Noah Emmerich. Like, this, yeah, Noah. Roland Emmerich. Roland's is, the director. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I'm yeah. sorry, Noah. Oh, my God. Uh, Stan Beeman. Yeah, Stan Beeman <laughs> from the Americans. Uh, when he says, like, you know, like, it can't be true because if everybody were in on it, then... I'd have to be in on it. <laughs> and, like, it's like, oh, my God, like, this is fucking sad. Oh, life is an illusion, uh, yeah. But then when he finally does the, like, at the end when he crashes into the, to the wall the wall, and yeah. he, he does the, like, in case I don't okay. see you, good afternoon, good evening, good night, and it's, like, triumphant instead of sad. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, a, it's, like, a great dramatic but, like, kind of inspiring turn. Yeah. He goes on to do, like, the majestic. Uh, Which is weird, but I like. Yeah, same. Uh, and then probably gets his most critical acclaimed movie with uh, Eternal Sunshine of the yeah. Spotless Mind. Which is great. Yeah, a, a movie that I think is, as far as movies that have been made when the people here have been alive, I yeah. think is one of the better ones. Yeah. Despite like it being abused to death by like uh, emo Tumblr tweens. Yeah, Tumblr culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is actually a pretty... It, it, packs a punch and, yeah. it, and it's not manipulative it's like Charlie Kaufman at his like yeah. one thing you do notice with all of these movies is that they are they're spotty yeah very long period yeah. of time where he's going between these movies but they're all movies that you can tell like other than like fucking Horton Hears a Who yeah and shit like that 2008 yeah Oh shit! That it came out after. Yeah, it was way. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Ouch, Jim. We did series of unfortunate events. Like he did some yeah. kids. He did stuff. some, some yeah. kid stuff. And um, it, like again, as which he's more prone to varying success. Yeah, so yeah. he's more prone to do those nowadays but than he is. Eventually, this uneven path gets him to 2007's the, the number 23, 23, which I think like, I, you know, I think the high water mark of his career, as far as the height of his powers, might have been 2000, but like we can't, you know. Gloss over Bruce Almighty in 2003. Yeah. Which was yeah. like, I think his, maybe his last big comedy, which is crazy. I mean, that movie made, did like hangover numbers <laughs> for a comedy. And then, yeah, Fun with Dick and Jane was right before the number 23, and that like barely cleared 100. Like, it was, he was sort of losing steam. Losing steam. And then, yeah, yeah we, we get to 2007's The Number 23, which I know you guys have a ton oh, to say about. Man, this so, movie. So, uh, The Number 23, directed by Joel Schumacher, their second movie together. Uh, Batman movie, Forever Batman is the Forever, first one. Yeah, 10 years later or 12 years later. Um, it is a very interesting movie that is about, I mean, Jim Carrey's even, I think he's even said in interviews that like the number 23 is something that he's obsessed over a lot in his life. Uh, but the movie is definitely, it, it's about two stories, two central stories of two central protagonists. Uh, one being... Uh, the, the names in this movie. Uh, the Fingerling. names in this movie. Yeah. Fingerling. Fingerling is the name of the detective, which I, I don't have many notes on this movie, but uh, his wife played by... Um, Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen. Yes. And, but he plays Walter Sparrow in the, in the yeah. present day. Walter Sparrow, amazing. Also, Walter Sparrow, his job, dog catcher. Dog catcher. <laughs> uh, Interesting. Uh not a dog, and like he was a dog groomer. No, that was Jeff Daniels. Never mind. But fing- <laughs> Fingerling, when they first say his name, uh, Virginia Madsen is like, "Yeah, his name is like Fingerling, like cool name." And I'm like, "What? It's, <laughs> it's not a cool name." Yeah. First off, who wrote that? Second off, like, no. It, no. A, t- a, a ten second pivot. Every time I hear him say Fingerling, it just reminded me of his. Actually, brilliant cameo in the office as the guy who kept going to the Finger Lakes. Yes, he yes. Had, when he when he's interviewing for Steve Carell's job and like the that brief montage, he's like, "I had to go see my family in the Finger Lakes." So people uh, hated that slow cameos, but 
I, yeah. Some of them were great. The Office one was great. So Sparrow finds a book because of a series of events that happens in one day that leads him to this red book um, that he believes mirrors his own life. And so from there, he becomes obsessed with one of the characters in it who is obsessed with the number 23. He starts to see parallels in his own life, which that of the book and the number 23. And listen, when I tell you that this movie, when you know, we've been saying these movies don't have plot this whole episode. This movie has too much fucking plot. Guys, this is a movie about a guy reading a fucking book. <laughs> yeah. And his family getting in on the shit. That part is the craziest part to me. Dragging his son into the, like, book obsession <laughs> is so, like... I was, like, they're, like, just breezing over how irresponsible there this is. There is a scene where for two minutes they're just doing math. They're just doing math problems. Yeah. Just to add up to 23. He reads a book for about an hour of the film. Yeah, and his and narration, like, he the, reads, the voiceover work is hilarious. He reads a book, <laughs> and then they show the scenes from the book, and... I, I cannot believe this movie is real. It is the worst fucking stylized. Because it's like film noir. It's like film thing. noir, but it's bad. It's like really bad film noir. I don't I don't even know how to describe it. It's it doesn't like, look real. It's like if like Sin City were being made by like like just like some guys. It's a video game. It, it, it reminds yeah. me of Max Payne. Hmm. Yeah, like it, remind, it does. It reminds me of Max Payne. Payne or Alan Wake or one of those games. It feels like a fake movie, but the majority <laughs> of this movie is in the fake movie. Yeah, <laughs> so much of it. It's so much, and it's like really bad dialogue. Like, Too much Jim Carrey having sex in this movie. Was that part of his like, contract? No reason. Yeah, I was surprised. He's like, having a lot of sex in this yeah. movie. Like, for as horny as the other characters were, <laughs> this one is the one who's having way the too most much sex. sex. And the stupid tattoo on his back. Yeah. Oh, oh my man. god. Yeah, it, it, it was. It, it's all I could think about when when I was watching. I was like, it, it's it's like the inverse of like my theory that whenever like someone wins an Oscar, they immediately go for like a badass role, like the Adrian Brody doing Predators kind of thing. But like this was something different. It was like. This guy has had this stream. Like he had just done fun with Dick and Jane, and like, you know, I'm sure he'd already done the voice work for Horton Hears a Hugh, Who and shit. <laughs> a Hugh. A Hugh. A Hugh. <laughs> but like, yeah, this felt like. This felt like I want to do something so gritty and something so heavy, man. Like, and this, this is something he cared about. Yeah, too. yeah. And this was clearly <laughs> a passion project. Yeah, and that's what that's what makes it all the more embarrassing because like it takes itself so. If this was played for like sea level schlock, it might have been almost like watchable but it takes itself so far there's an air air of importance where like oh man you just don't get it there's like this existential themes everywhere man there's the, signs everywhere bro like the part where he's at the because he gets bit by the dog neck <laughs> and he, there's a part where he's, he's at the psychologist and he's like talking about like he's like making jokes about killing the dog but then he's also like trying dead to with himself, two d's the new d is for dead it's for dead <laughs> and he's like he's trying to make himself relatable as the everyman and like jim carrey doesn't there are certain movies where he does come off as a really good everyman. Yeah. But I think Will yeah. Smith does that a little bit better than he does. Is it in terms of someone who, like, you're like, you're clearly not, yeah. but you're doing it now? Yeah. Will Smith is definitely better. And Carrie does it rarely and does, isn't, it's not his thing. Yeah, it's not believable at all. And this movie, like, you have to believe that he has a kid and he's not like a complete doofus. Because, like, liar, 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 he has a kid, but I mean, he's, he's, the, he's essentially unlikable for the first half of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But in this, it's like, we're supposed to believe that this guy gets so obsessed that he just doesn't give a fuck about his whole family altogether? And, and here's, the, here's the big thing about this movie. There's no threat in this movie. No. The, it's him. <laughs> 20, the, the 
obsession with the 23 doesn't even make sense. And, like, it's not doing anything. He's like, it's ruining my life. And I'm like, how? It's not, <laughs> it's not affecting you. Like, what's yeah. the fucking point of this film? Like, <laughs> like, 23 is, like, present in your life as, like, a consistent number, especially when you concoct a way to add things Exactly. And it's like, it. how much of this is like, actually coincidental or actually, like, intentional? Like, none of it is. And, and, and it's, there's a part where he walks into the fucking house. I mentioned this to you guys. He walks into the house, and they all start doing math problems <laughs> out of nowhere. And, it's just, and then the son comes out of another room. He's like, yes, yes, father, I read this page. And this page had another 23 in it. And it's like, this movie is like a sitcom in some, at some point. Yeah, when, there's another part that's similar to this one when he just starts listing, like, scenarios where 23 was oh, involved. Oh, God, Like, yes. historically and Manson's uh, prison number. Yeah, and I was just sitting there, like, the, how... Like, the, the person writing this either had to be, like, so depressed and, like, getting such, like, a flat <laughs> fee or <laughs> thinking, like they were fucking on and like they were just listing every fucking like thing they could think of that like here's a way I can involve 23 in this <laughs> which like you just know they thought this was gonna be like oh, a thing we're so smart there there is uh, a part where I literally screamed in my room alone uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> yeah I watched this movie alone and it was really sad no it, he's reading the book because of course he is and he's talking about Fingerling's girlfriend, Fabrizia. Fabrizia, yes. yes. Played and by the same actress who plays Virginia his Madsen. wife. Yeah. And he, like, goes through her closet, and he's like, I don't even have to tell you how many shoes she had. Yeah. And after he reads that narration, it cuts to Jim Carrey's character in, like, real life, and he looks up at the camera like, oh, my fucking God, it had to be 23. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, get the fuck. Even more ridiculous... Fuck? He's having sex with Fabriza, whatever her name is, on the floor. And he says, you have 23 pairs of shoes. <laughs> and she just promptly stops having sex with him because he says she has 23 pairs of shoes. And, Weird. And then he comes back later and loses it over the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> he's like thrown away. <laughs> he threw him away. Yeah, he threw a pair of shoes in the trash or something. Uh, it's so bad. The dog plot does have the best moment in the whole movie, which is... Jim Carrey is driving with his wife and son yes. in oh, the yeah. car. Yes. And he sees the dog, and then he does go to run over the dog, and he, he like, slams on the brakes right before he's going to hit the dog, and he doesn't hit the dog. But when he sees the dog... I was about to tell you. ...against whom he's, like, basically, like, vowed a vendetta. Yeah. Like, his family, he's, like, in the middle of a conversation with his family, and then they see the dog, and the dog's sitting in the middle of the street, and Jim Carrey says... That's him. <laughs> and it, like, does the... It does a zolly. The, yeah, a zolly. And it does like, the jaw shot. And rushes up onto the dog's face, and it's just like the dog is sitting, it's like a face-off between oh, Carrie That's and how I dog. look at my dog. The zolly <laughs> has something with, in his mouth. Yeah, I actually can picture that very easily. <laughs> yeah, that's how I look. Uh, oh, my God. There's so much to talk about with this movie, but there's also, like, not, because it's so bad. But I did want to tell you guys one really depressing thing. Uh, oh, great. When, the, when, when this movie came out... I was working as a video store clerk at Movie Gallery, and this movie was one of our most popular rentals. And hmm. we were often sold out of it, and people would come in and be like, do you have the number 23? And I'd be like, no. And that, like, ruined their night. Yeah, all It's the, because all they were, like, in the number 23, all those, and they <laughs> needed it to, like, complete their their story. Those people went on to promote Pizzagate in a Reddit thread. Like, can you imagine, though, like, can you imagine, like, being bummed out that you couldn't watch this movie? 
Like, watching this movie was a punishment to me. Oh, yeah, it was really bad. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) This movie is shorter than The Mask. It's 98 minutes. Yeah. uh, Which is, like, it feels like a fucking eternity. I was watching it before I, like, came to see you guys, and I I didn't finish it. Because I was like, it's still going? That's usually my sweet spot. Anything anything less than an hour 40 is is a perfect movie. This felt like a seven-hour trip through hell. It's because a guy it's a guy reading a fucking book. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> yeah. I, I mean apart I mean I know Joe Schul- Schulmacher has a super spotty track record. I mean some He's of it's a bad that, to say the least. Yeah, like, that is Eric's well, well, yeah. <laughs> that is Eric's you could say mixed <laughs> reviews. Yeah, yeah. That is your mixed yeah. reviews I'm of this king, episode. I'm the king of diplomacy. But like I mean the guy made fucking phone booth which fucking rips and whips yeah, phone, I, I'm a phone booth lover also. So it's like you know, I can't. He has some goodwill. Most of it sucks, but like he made Lost Boys. That's a, that's that's the goodwill. That too. That's, that's it. And for me. exactly. And um, and our Batman Forever, baby. Um, coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it, it is it, the the reason why we picked the movie. We don't we don't want to gleefully just rip this straight up shit movie. But like, it sort of was the beginning of the end of Jim Carrey's even like redeemable side of his career. Like. Um, he would have a few more pockets of minor hits, uh, like mainly like doing kids' movies and voice work, uh, like A Christmas Carol and like another Dr. Seuss movie. Mr. Popper, Popper's Penguins wasn't good, but I think it made a decent amount of money but that I mean, justified it. But, but I mean, like, if you put this in perspective, Ghost Rider came out the week before this movie. 2008 was oh, Ghost Rider. I remember The Rider. Yeah. And <laughs> this movie didn't even beat Ghost Rider's second weekend. Yeah. I saw so that. I just really sad. That's just sad. Yeah, and so, it's so so like Jim. This was like his first unequivocal flop too. I mean, he had movies that didn't make a ton of movie, but they were sort of built that way. Like nobody expected the Majestic to make a lot of movies. Oh, Burt Wonderstone is his biggest, his biggest flop. Well, that was five years <laughs> later. Um, that came out in twenty thirteen. Um, but He's yeah, the villain in that, I think. Yeah, right? that that movie felt. Burt, what you didn't hear, Burt Wonderstone. That movie felt like it was made in two thousand seven, but they let it sit on the shelf until <laughs> Chris Steve Carell. Steve Carell's a bigger it. movie. Yeah, it, it is something felt off about it. Magicians were so hot for like seven years. Yeah, they missed they missed that window, baby. But um, yeah, like those movies, like The Majestic, the Frank Darabont movie, they were smaller and they they got enough critical acclaim that it justified them not making a ton of dough. And, like, Man on the Moon was an indie and didn't get a crazy release. But this was, like, a huge release with a huge star and had, like, yeah, crazy marketing behind it. Yeah, and it just straight up DOA. And, uh, yeah, he never really recovered after that. It was, it was a rough – like, he did Yes Man right afterwards, which was very bad and, like, barely cleared 100 mil, which is very rare for a Jim Carrey comedy. And that was like, okay, this is the end of the era, an end yeah. of an era. I remember watching Yes Man in theaters and be like – yeah, I think it's over for this guy. Yeah, I remember watching him like stumble out of a car filled with Red Bull cans. And yes, man, oh, and God, I was yeah. like, Red Bull paid for this movie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is not the same. Like, I mean, the, I, this is the man's a legend. Yeah, it's not even the same energy, and I, and I think, and it kind of works the same way as Will Smith, where you had that meteoric like two, three years, and then it's just downhill from there. What do you think Jim Carrey's legacy will be? Will people remember more of the 94 era where they they remember when it all fell down? It's funny. It's funny because, like, you know, I'm 32, so I I was born in 86. So he, him and Sandler were sort of part of my formative years of, like, the 96 through 2000, like, 10, age 10 through 14. I'm the, Eric's the oldest and I'm the youngest and I'm 28. So there's, like, a high school gap between us, basically. And I would say the same thing. Like, 
Jim Carrey movies and Adam Sandler movies. Like, yeah. And but those I've, were the comedies yeah. when I was a kid. And you're, you're – how – wait, you're 28? Yeah. So I'm four, no, wait. I'm 29. Okay. So three, four years old. I'm 29. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I've talked to, like, kids even younger than us, like, kids at work and shit like that, like the PAs that are, like, 22 that work at the front desk. And they're like, I never watched a Jim Carrey movie. Like, I grew up watching, like, Seth Rogen mm-hmm. or Kevin Hart. Like, mm-hmm. Kevin Hart is their first big movie star. Yeah. yeah. Which is fucking – sweet and like just strange to think about because like we knew Kevin Hart from Soul Plane which is like you know universally like one of the worst movies ever made but now he's one of the greatest stand-ups most successful stand-ups I'll say um so yeah like the these guys sort of like are a non-factor it's like me watching like um like a Steve Gutenberg movie from the 80s like, you know it's like I, it's like I Rick Moranis yeah Rick Moranis well, like, I, I, I got love for Ricky uh but yeah, yeah Lord it, Helmet. <laughs> yeah Spaceballs changed my life but um, yeah, it's 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 almost like yeah, that's a different different time for these kids. But I I think he will still be remembered by the '90s run just because it was such an iconic '90s run and such an influential one that like there are still enough people like referencing Jim Carrey as an influence on them, like like the Seth Rogans and the people still carrying that torch. That I think uh, it matters enough, and it's deep. Like the '90s run has. It he like he it's not two movies. Yeah, it's uh, it's like ten. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, like the mask is the worst of I think the three movies. Like other than the really problematic stuff in Ace, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and and the people still love the mask. So that's three like knockouts in a year. All and, arguable, all yeah, arguable too. All arguable. Yeah. And then he went on to make at least three more of those. Yeah. In the I think same Liar decade. Liar was like the peak. Yeah, like the peak power. Yeah. So there. he has a. He th- from the era when he was beloved, yeah. he has six, seven, maybe more movies in that time, yeah. and that will keep him like that will keep his legacy intact. Yeah. And I think there's a there's it's still kind of unstable to me, but I do think there's a decent enough chance that he has a couple more good ones in him. I would love to see another traumatic turn a la eternal sunshine well i mean we could i could do a whole nother podcast about just his run on in living color which carries him with yeah, enough goodwill absolutely like the fact that <coughs> excuse me i mean we could talk about how annoying and problematic it is to like celebrate the one white guy on a historically black sketch show but like he was that good that like even people like jamie fox and like the wayne's brothers and Keenan and were like no like we knew the second he came on our show, he was going to be uh, a, a force of nature that we'd never seen before. Yeah. And, like, him and Jamie Foxx were the biggest people to, to come off of that show. But and like, J-Lo. Oh, yeah, and J-Lo. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah. J-Lo yeah. late fees coming soon. <laughs> uh, I mean, just the sketches he did, man, that, like, I, I was I was more influenced as a kid by In Living Color than SNL. Like, I came to SNL later. Like, I was probably maybe 10 when I was like, okay, I'm discovering who John Belushi is and going back. But, like, I watched In Living Color in real time, and I was like, I don't know, get half of these jokes, but I know what I'm witnessing, like, Fire Marshal Bill or uh, the the workout instructor, I forget her name, where he bends his arm over. Like, I was like, this guy is doing shit I had never seen before. But I agree. I think he still has some stuff left in him, and I got to watch one episode of Kidding, his new Showtime series, before we got to um, uh, do this. And it's like... I, I think there's something that I think he'll this might be the one that really generates enough uh, goodwill again around him. I know it's a TV role, but it's like that perfect balance of like he's this 
Fred Rogers type guy who has like a kid show and he's like this force of good in, in the world, but he's also a ticking time bomb. So you're getting to see what we loved about him in like the uh, cable guy mm-hmm. or me, myself and Irene on a broader level. But this one's really subdued of like his id and like that dark, almost melancholic, but also frightening side that is coming out. And it's really good. He, he's it's really subdued and sad. And but I laughed a lot, too. So I think that might this might be the one that reminds people just how good he can be. It's just been a while. Pure legend. Any any other thoughts, Wes, Pat? No, I mean, I think the 90s run alone, like, I, I don't think there's any, like, coming down from that, even even though he's definitely fallen pretty far, because number 23 was <laughs> he's Robotnik so now. bad. He's Dr. Robotnik Yeah, now. he's going to be Dr. Robotnik in the Sonic movie, and that could be really cool. Yeah. Well, again, more kids' movies. He knows where the bread is buttered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, total legend. Yeah. I mean, I, has he made some horrible, horrible movies? Clearly, <laughs> but so uh, is every actor. I mean, yeah. you only have so yeah. much control. I mean, you know, he's made some horrible movies. He he fucking swings for the fences, uh, both in choice uh, or uh, choice in role selection and performance of those roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he goes for it. Um, I wish uh, that he was just a little more consistent post when he was like. <laughs> An untouchable god. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think for people of our of our generation, he's a top, top top five. Yeah. Yeah. Top top three, honestly. A comedy drama, like well, like yeah. he's beloved and he, he is deservedly. And I hate beloved. to I hate to compare. I probably get a lot of hate for this comparing him to Will Smith. He has more good movies than Will Smith. Oh, easily. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying... I didn't do that comparison to say that they were, like, on the equal level there. I think that I was making that comparison saying, like, they had this meteoric... Well, they were contemporaries. No, no, I, no I, I see what you're saying. Like, they had an, an early legendary rise. Yeah, like, you can't top that shit. Yeah. yeah he blew, I mean, Jim Carrey blew in 94. Jim, Will was 96. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about those early VMAs uh, or... Movie MTV Movie Awards, like it was always down to like Those Will two. Smith and Will, like they had like a five year straight, like it was them, like if, when he won, like he went, he went and tried to kiss Will Smith. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Will yeah, Smith, yeah, yeah. Will Smith would dab him up, you know, like it was like him and Will Smith, and then Sandler came into the mix around like ninety eight, ninety nine. I do remember that was a really good like re- recurring gag on those shows. Yeah, like them always like beating each other and like they you know like fake fight each other, or whatever. And yeah, it was yeah. movie awards were kind of low key and my favorite MTV thing. They were the best. For and now years. no one even uh, shows up. To those shits yeah. anymore. <laughs> no yeah, one shows no, in the '90s, like late '90s. It was actually cool. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like, who who watches that shit? There were a couple. It was, it was they. It kind of peaked and then started to bottom out when uh, the Matrix sequels came out and they had. Uh, I think it was Justin Timberlake and Sean William Scott. Yeah, I remember in, that uh, in the scenes with like the Oracle and it was Will Ferrell and Neo. Yes, the architect. And, yeah. yeah, and when Will Ferrell was the architect and they were in it, man, was that fucking funny? I was yeah. like, wow, how is MTV like one of the funniest, like best fucking movie things? Concordant. Because they, it is. Yeah, but they were because yeah. it is. All, All right, like, whether or not he rebounds, I think kidding on Showtime will. At least, at the very least, remind people how good he is capable of being. But 
We still have his uh, anti-Trump murals to coast us through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's paint- wild. Yeah, okay. painter supreme. He's a painter and political agitator, Jim Carrey. <laughs> uh, some of those paintings are really good. Yeah, he paints very crazy mouths, yeah. I will say. yeah. But uh, I think that is, we're just going to put a bow on this one. Jim Carrey, uh, we're going to keep him in the video store, I think, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we'll keep him in the video store, but if we watch you... Uh, Take his post-2003 videos off the shelf and throw them in an incinerator. We won't yell at you. Yeah, we won't. We'll be fine with that. Take, <laughs> take the Grinch off, too. We don't need that either. Uh, next time on Late Feast, Wes Craven, October yeah. 5th. Ooh. We're ready. We're, we're going right into October. Very busy month for all of us. Oh, I hope yeah. you guys are ready to watch a whole bunch of fucking movies, okay? Uh, and I hate horror movies. This is going to be <laughs> fun for me. So uh, Wes Craven episode is October 5th. Uh, thanks and shout out to Arclight for sponsoring that one as well for us. <laughs> They've been a longtime partner contributor to Late Fees. Yeah, uh, thank you for uh, the dome screening of The Nun. The movie was terrible. It was but, absolutely uh, the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. They that in The Dome? Yeah, yes. but, but thank you Holy for showing shit. it in The Dome. Uh, one time uh, for uh, the Grinch. The, the <laughs> what? That's what he that? does. That's what he does in the fucking movie. He, like, I like he breaks the, the fourth wall impression. and he fucking leans in and he does that in the movie. Pat just had a manic moment. It was a, he channeled his inner Jim Carrey. That's the Grinch. Pat is the, the kid version of the Grinch from that movie. Uh, you are the kid version of that Grinch every single day. Uh, <laughs> any final words, boys? Can I plug something? Oh, yeah. Plug yeah. away. Go yeah. off, King. Uh, so if you like horror movies or if you grew up with the movie The Monster Squad. Oh, here we uh, go. I worked on a documentary about The Monster Squad called Wolfman's Gotten Arts. Mm. And it is screening in Los Angeles at Beyond Fest October 4th. So get tickets and I think we'll I'll, – I'll definitely be there. I think these guys will be there. Come say hi. We'll be there for be sure. Be there, LA. Yeah. You'll we'll see us there. there. Get, see get us. tickets and maybe get plane tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, you're, you're laughing. Seriously, uh, someone today uh, tweeted at us that they are flying from Texas to come to the screening. That's awesome. People fucking love it. It's a fan. Yeah, it's yeah, a fan. It's awesome. like just she really wants to see it. And we have a lot of the cast from the Monster Squad are going to be there. Uh, a couple of the celebrities that appear in the documentary are going to be there. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, it's generating, like, just from what I've seen on Twitter, like, it's, get, it's kicking ass at the, on the festival hey man, circle, hey man, circuit. And we've seen the movie. It's great. Yeah, it's really <laughs> okay. awesome. yeah. you know, we're talking like we haven't seen it. Yeah, Wes did his thing. It's it's really enjoyable and sweet and informative. And, and Wes is in it. Yeah, and we get to see our sweet boy Wes in that shit. Yeah. So uh, until next Pull time. Pull up. Yeah. Ch- check out Late Fees on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Stitcher. everything, on Spotify, on Google Play, uh, at RNC Radio Live. On late fees. Until next time, Wes Craven, I want you guys to really get turned up, get ready for October because, motherfucker, we are coming. Nerds. Venom is two and a half hours long in PG-13. Oh, we're going to be talking about Venom, too. <laughs> oh, uh, God. And uh, shout out to Olivia Munn and everybody else who listens to late fees. Shout out Arclight. Until next time, peace.